if you like betting on golf. But everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. With all the stats and the tips and so much more, cause it's the golf betting system, the golf betting system, it's the golf betting system. Greetings and welcome to the Golf Bank System Podcast 168. This is our 2021 Palmetto Championship at Congaree Tips and Selections episode. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss this week's PGA Tour action. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit BeGambleAware.org for more information and, of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world-famous golf betting system website with our in-depth betting previews, masses of tournament statistics and our predictor models, all available completely free of charge with no paywall. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We are available on social media. You can follow Barry at A Good Talk Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. I am at Bamford Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. I'll be recording this week's show for the Palmetto after this podcast. Now, you guys, as listeners, power this podcast. So we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the view. Um, I will say, reviews that come through this week will be read at the start of next week's big, huge US Open tip show. So um, your five-star reviews would be most welcome. Now, I've got one here entitled Best Golf Podcast. Five stars. Thoroughly enjoy listening weekly to this team. They provide valuable insight you won't find elsewhere and do it with the fun and light banter. When there is a major golf tournament, I always make sure this podcast is my first listen. That is from Beef Pokoroba, and he is in the USA. Lovely stuff. Oh, got a nice, yeah, it's always nice. More five-star reviews for this week would be absolutely fantastic. As I said, I'll read them out at the start of the US Open show next week. We also received a tweet yesterday, which is a nice... Um, if you've got some nice things to say about the show on a, on a tweet, I'll read those out as well. This is from Pete McKenzie LX, at Pete McKenzie LX. He says, got to thank you guys for your predictor models. I had a triple hit this week with Reed top five. I noticed how Reed missed the cut when I put him up Colonial when he played well last week, but... Mm-hmm. US Open must back Patrick Reed. Um, I had a triple hit with Reed top five, Cantley to win Memorial, and Armitage to win at the Porsche Open. Outstanding. COVID, outstanding. COVID, a bit of a factor, but wow, my biggest weekend return ever. Thanks to you boys, and uh, he says thanks to you both and to Barry, and that is from Pete McKenzie LX. Pete, it's a pleasure. And that's why we do this, isn't it? Empowering people to use our tools, use all the statistics we provide, 
listen to us, reject our tips, and basically go with whoever you guys want to go with. <laughs> to get the wins that we don't. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, it's cracking, all about. Cracking, cracking win there from Pete. Yeah, and um, I'm, I'm <clears> assuming from the sounds of it that he picked um, a, a cross um, a transatlantic double out of that, which uh, which would have been really tasty odds. What twenty two or twenty twenty to one thereabouts on Cantlay and uh, around about eighties for. But Armitage yesterday, the bullet. So, uh, so yeah, it could have been some fantastic return. So, well done, Pete, and uh, thanks for your feedback. I'm just checking here. We're, <clears throat> I have to say, this is the most um, chaotic week of the golfing season with the US Open qualifiers um, happening when you're trying to pull together content for the PGA Tour event of that week. I'll, I'll, I'll read out the 10 points winners from the European qualifying series for next week's Torrey Pines US Open. Uh, Marcus Armitage, the bullet. <clears throat> Thomas Dietrich. Guido made it. Matthew Southgate made it. Of course, Richard Bland. <clears throat> Mikko Kahonen. Eduardo Molinari, Dodo, has made a major. That's a that's a good effort from, mm. from Eduardo. Jordan Smith, who you were on last week. Yeah. Adrian Moronk and Dave Coupland. Is it Coupland or Coupland? Uh, Coupland, I think, yes. Um, yeah, no, some, uh, some good performances from some of those guys over the three qualifying weeks over on the European Tour. And... Uh, yeah, a, a, a rare start at a major for a few of those guys. And as you say, Dodo's getting a start. And if you can find the putter, yeah. there's been quite quite a lot to like about his game. Um, it's just been some awful putting rounds thrown in every now and again, which have, have scuppered him. But uh, it's up with him, isn't it? He was always the better putter of the two Molinari brothers. But um, it's it's not quite happening with the flat stick with him at the moment. But if he does find that, then uh, you, you can see some more European tour wins coming his way for sure. That's some turnaround from a couple of weeks ago where he literally could not put. Yeah. It was the the Belfry, wasn't it? He was missing everything on the Sunday. That final round, yeah. I I don't don't know what his strokes gains numbers were for that day, but it would have been seriously negative. Probably minus 74, you know, something something (laughs) average like that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, does anybody know, did Van Driel um, miss out on getting the US Open because he didn't go for the green from 210 yesterday? What that, was it, it? It defies belief, doesn't it? You know, you've got a chance there to, yeah, admittedly, you've got to make eagle on the final. You've got to, you know, you've got to pull out some incredible shot, but you know, I mean, professionals I, are capable of that, aren't they? To so not even go for it, get yeah, into the back yeah. bunker. I mean, it's yeah. going to run into the back bunker, it's not going to be plugged or anything like that. I mean, it's just it, the, the mad thing is if he was playing to just grab some money. The, the smart play or, you know, you're going to make a better score from being by the green than you yep. are from just, you know, laying up and trying to hit a wedge in to a pretty tight pin anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that was crazy. That was, it was really weird. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, it's, I'm, a, I'm a bit mixed with that setup as well at Green Eagle because, um, you know, there, there are five par fives there, but they're all tricky. They're all tough. You know, a lot of them don't lend themselves to a, to a, you know, an aggressive risk reward strategy, mm. which you know, I, I don't know. I, for me, you need to have some potential on the par fives to be able to go for them. And you know, there's so many players laying up, um, and 
don't know. It's um, they did a good not, thing not yesterday. They they moved the tees up like ninety yards yeah, for the eighteenth, yeah, yeah, which is yeah, good. Yeah. You know, for the final round, give people a chance, and then yeah, it's a yeah, shame for Southgate. You know, just torpedoing yeah, his chances off the tee. He's had a few, hasn't he? He's had a few chances to uh, to to convert and. When he's had comes plenty, to show. plenty of ways of blowing up, any Southgate, yeah. when he's had a chance of winning. He was at a really good spot at the uh, Alfred Dunhill Links a couple of years back, wasn't he? And um, and it didn't work on the Sunday either. And, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, th- I think he's good enough to win something, but um, he's got to sort these Sunday performances out if he's going to stand a chance. But yeah, no, I, I'm disappointed not getting the bullet to be honest because he was he was on my radar. He'd um, you know he's on the shortlist and. When push came to shove last week, I went down the uh, Daniel Van Tonder route at the same kind of price. And, um, you know, looking at the 280 to 1, um, the logical one for me to go for was Van Tonder, given his um, winning form. And, uh, you know, Armitage had, I don't know, flirted with a few leads over the over the uh, the last few months or so, but, um, you know, without without really pushing, uh, pushing on, but... Um, no fair play to him. Really good interview at the end, and yeah, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's it's a great story to see that uh, that that kind of that kind of win. He was nowhere after a round and a half as well. I think he was three over after after twenty seven holes or thereabouts. So to pull it back round from there, that's a fantastic final round and a half to to win his maiden tournament. So yeah, impressive. It was two tournaments. Yeah, yeah. Like this week, the the European Open and the U.S. Women's Open, just showing the value of never giving up. Mm. You know, Sasso having a couple of doubles and early on yeah, in her round. Shocking start, wasn't it? And then, uh, yeah, and there's, there was a few people on that. There was a lot of winning tickets flying about on Twitter yesterday from uh, from both of those. So, um, so well done if you were on. And of course, um, Patrick Cantlay as well, which uh, there, there were a number of people on him, which uh, once the uh, John Rahm debacle had uh, settled down, they, they, they were probably sitting there um, holding a very valuable ticket after. Uh, after his withdrawal, Patrick Cantley actually showed some um, huge bottle. Showed, showed some fortitude. Huge bottle. <laughs> I think I thought I thought when Morikara made that birdie on the last par five to go one up, I thought that was a bit of I wouldn't say a hammer blow, but certainly a psychological blow. But it actually seemed to inspire Cantley. Yeah. From that point, he was peppering pins, and he went close with that pin on sixteen, the par three. Mm-hmm. Had a Brilliant great shot in there. there. Brilliant yeah. approach. Birdie's 17. And clearly um, gets over the line in the playoff. If you, I mean, it's the same every year. I mean, the course renovation hasn't made any difference, but that is just a ball... It's just a, the cathedral of ball striking. It always will be. So your likes of Cantlays, who's slightly longer off the tee than Morikawa... Uh, if he's hitting, if he's hitting, if he's playing the right game as he arrives there, he's always going to have a shot. I mean, John Rahm, the the ultimate. His numbers were absolutely unbelievable, John Rahm. Yeah, and it complete. Abs- it's totally. He was lapping the field. Totally <laughs> scuppered my plan to back him for the U.S. Open. The whole <laughs> the whole thing. I had have had a long t- as a long term note, and um, yeah, obviously the bookies know that. He's going to be pretty motivated come the US Open, and he's he's now favourite unless something. John Rahm, as he walked off the um, final green on Saturday and was told the news, he was ranking first for off the tee, first for approach, first for tee to green, and second for putting. 
<laughs> That's pretty crazy. That was Kyle Porter, wasn't it? Oh yeah, I, I, yes. I'm re- I'm reading this off the PGO Tour stats that I, I printed off on Saturday, but on Sunday morning. But they they included Ram at that point before he was officially WD. That's mad. He was, um, oh, he was over 0. 0.8, 0. 0.8 of a stroke, um, better than Colin Morikawa for T to green at that point, and. Where he was um, second for putting, Morikawa was 29th. So, one thing for Morikari, such a spotty putter, isn't he? But he was actually putting lights out Sunday. Under pressure. Yeah, Yeah. under pressure. And we've seen it before with him, haven't we? Um, Push comes to shove, he can make a putt. He can, uh, you know, there's there's something that just uh, just clicks, and he's got that ability just to make those absolute clutch putts when it's required. Got some severe talent nowadays mm. in in the top levels of PGA Tour golf, pro golf. There's so many quality players. Um, I was, as usual on a Sunday, I was spitting fe- feathers over Shane Lowry plus three through five. Yeah, <laughs> but for once, I had a player that actually actually showed some fortitude and bottle, and then went clean with five birdies over the closing. 12 holes to uh, to get a nice each way play out for me. So covered the week. That was that, Shane again. US Open tough. Long golf course with kind of cabbage patch greens. I don't think uh, Larry's a bad shout for next week. He's, he's, he's playing great. That would be we're, we're jumping here. We're jumping yeah. to the US Open, but and we, we I think we're going to do a, a research podcast this week, as we always do. We'll clearly have our tips podcast next week. But uh, that's my that's my one reservation. We run. That's going to be US Open tough. That's going to be a very high scoring event. Has he got the mental aspects right for when the bo- when the bogeys come? Mm. Is he going to blow up? I think I, I genuinely think Torrey Pines is his favourite golf course on the planet. I mean, he, that's he's got his first win there. He plays brilliantly there every year. So yeah, as long as he's he, clearly going to be the fa- he's going to be the favourite as well. Yeah, isn't he, he is. He is. A, well, the, when I he checked yesterday, he was. Yeah, I mean, as long no, as he has no physical good. repercussions from COVID, you know, he just gets through it. It doesn't it doesn't hit him that hard. You know. He got a fancy. He, the way he was swinging was just incredible. The way he was playing at Memorial up until. Yeah, and up until he got, uh, he couldn't play any further. Right now, he's an eight to one shot with Unibet. Oh Twelve God. to one, biggest price with Bet three six five for a non-major winner. <laughs> yeah. Kepka at fourteens, Spieth at fourteens, Dustin Johnson at fourteens, <laughs> JT at fourteens. Good luck with that. Bryson DeChambeau at 14s. It's as if they can't split the top of the market. No. You've then got Rory at 16s, Xander at 18s, and then Morikara 22, Cantley 25. I mean, that, that's a don't-touch market right now, isn't it? <laughs> you have to wait for some sort of divergence from the bookies like later yeah. this week. Yeah, and you're only getting what five or six places as well at the moment. So uh-huh. it's a, that's that's a, a wait and see market, I think. Yeah, th- Thursday is they start to kind of come out now, aren't they? 
Yeah, Paddy Power. Yeah, Paddy Power usually go on a Thursday. Yeah. Well, we should get the uh, should get the final field confirmed kind of tea time tonight, shouldn't we? Mm -hmm. Once the uh, the stragglers are finished on these uh, US Open qualifying um, events that are still still going on because of rain delays. And, uh, and and then we may, may see some final markets start to emerge, as you say, Thursday, Friday, later this week. So perhaps when we record our research pod, we'll have uh, we'll have some uh, updated odds and uh, and, and some e- extended each way terms with any luck. Within the bottom ten strokes game putting last week at the Memorial on those bent grass greens, there are some interesting names. Matt Wallace was in the bottom ten. Victor Hovland. We also had Jason Duffner, although he resides there every week of the year. Tony Finau was third worst putter at Memorial, but I think he was eighth for tee to green. Interesting mental note for next week. JT lost eight and a half strokes on the greens last week. He was second worst putter. And the worst on bent grass greens was the Masters champion Hideki Matsuama. He lost Nine and a half strokes putting last week at Memorial. He's been fiddling with putters, I saw, on like the, the gear dives and gear emails I get in. He's, he made a change, but apparently he changes quite regularly. So I guess uh, the, whatever he switched into last week, if he did, is getting put straight in the trash can yeah. and he'll fire up a new one. Yeah, that most recent change doesn't seem to be very positive, does it? Tee to green top 10, Ram number one, Cantley two, Scheffler three, Jimmy Walker four. There's something happening with Jimmy Walker right now. Morikawa five, Reed six, JT was seventh, Tony Finau was ninth. Tee to green. There's a hell of a lot of players that played brilliantly tee to green and putted absolutely awfully last week. That's That's a big ranking for Patrick Reed in there. Patrick Reed, sixth for strokes gained tee to green the week before the US Open on a course he won at in January. And we know, because we discussed it last week before the Colonial event, although we didn't do a podcast, we were surprised how accurate he's become off the tee. He goes through these phases, doesn't he, where you know clearly he focuses on his long game and get some decent uh, decent stats out of it and then um, it all goes to pot and he's relying on an incredible short game again the week that he puts it all together he's gonna you know he is well capable of winning any tournament and the US Open isn't out of his uh, realms of possibility by any stretch he was I think. he was 25th for strokes going off the tee these are full field numbers as well so if you if you're looking at these numbers people that made the cut they won't make sense but I'm looking at everybody. 25th off the tee, Reed was also 8th for strokes gained on approach. Yummy. What price are we going to get on Reed next week? 35 to 1 hanging there right now. Mm. Tempting. Yep, you probably get 40s. You probably get 40s once they put the final markets out, and you might get 40s with 8 or 10 places as well. That's compelling at 40s, isn't it? Yeah. Would you, well, ask yourself this, Barry. If you could get Patrick Reed at 40s, his nearest challenger on price, just above, is Daniel Berger. It's not even a conversation, is it? 
No. It seriously is in the conversation. And don't forget, Daniel Berger is on my will never back at the majors post-it note. <laughs> so he's a definite goner. I think a lot of people will like Berger because clearly he won at Pebble Beach this year. Poa, Poa Greens and all that. And we know that there's a big link between players that have played well on the West Coast and tend to win these US Opens over there as well. So yes, right. So that's the... Uh, we're still in a complete and utter state of flux around these qualifiers. It has to be said. Because this is why this week's so chaotic. You've got who, who we've got these US Open qualifiers on a Monday. And and the USGA is so antiquated, we have to go through this qualifier route, which must be it's like a living hell for the players. We've been trying to work it through as well. We're pretty sure that if you're a non-qualifier non and you st- you win this week at the Palmetto Championship, you still don't get an invite to the uh, US Open. That's the way that we're looking at it. I'm seeing nothing to say that a winner this week would get a US Open qualifying space. There is um, a Category 18 for special exemptions. So... You know, if Ricky Fowler doesn't make it, Barry, I'm sure he might get the phone call. Oh, Ricky, Ricky, we desperately need you. Ricky, can you come over on another special invite for a major? He is showing signs, but but at the moment... There's some good stuff coming on right right there, isn't there? It's it's building, um, and it's not just blip on the radar and disappear. It's been been growing week on week, so it's good to see, like... Aside from the fact that I really like him, but to see a golfer that was going very well on a for a career go through a big dip in, in form and struggling to come back you know it's um it's good to see you know it just sucks when guys like they lose it and that's it it's, they're gone the colombo so higher qualifiers basically got rained off yesterday didn't they well they didn't get rained off they played a big chunk and then these huge boomers turned up in the afternoon and delayed the goal for hours on end so we don't know who's qualified out of the biggest the biggest event because it isn't completed so you've got a situation here where there's a lot of the field at the Palmetto Championship that are still in Columbus Ohio as we sit as we as we're recording this asleep and they're not going to be arriving at the course at Congaree until Wednesday bear in mind that Congaree is one of the most specialised tests that I've ever seen on the PGA Tour. It's an absolute, it looks pretty unique to me. That's a huge downside for me. For, for competing but, at Congaree? Yeah. yeah. You basically, uh, you, you've, you, you've sent your caddy down there and you're turning up on Wednesday in 33 degree heat and it's going to be a difficult one, I think. But we have got some qualifiers. Um from various spots around America. Chan Kim looks like he's made it from the Rolling Hills Country Club qualifier out in California. That hasn't completed either. And you were telling us, Barry, about a player who's in a bit of a predicament there in terms of he's sleeping on maybe making the US Open. And what, what what's the situation there yeah. with one player? Two two holes to play. He makes a birdie, he guarantees a spot. Uh, makes two pars, he gets into a four for two playoff as things stand. Or uh, you know doesn't doesn't uh, does worse than that. He drops out. <laughs> Pressure. What's the guy's name? 
Oh, Steve. Oh, I had it up. Don't worry. You, you, get, you, you, you pull the info I'll, out. I'll work from, <laughs> from that group, or from that qualifier, Rikuyu Hoshino from the J- uh, Japan PGA's made it, and so has our friend Chan Kim, Taylor Montgomery. Jupiter, Florida, the Bears Club, not a bad spot for a qualifier. Thomas Aiken. You've lost plenty of money on Aiken over the years, Paul, haven't you? <laughs> Fabian Gomez. Yep. Brandon Grace made it. And Patrick Rogers. Uh, from the Atlanta, Georgia uh, qualifier, Hayden Buckley, who's a young talent, made it. Rick Lamb, um, Grayson Sig, uh, Keith Mitchell missed out by a shot on that particular qualifier at Piedmont Driving Club. Tom- Thomas Lim, and he, just looking at his scorecard here, he made a triple two holes ago. So he was cruising. Oh, wow. So now, now he's now. I'd say he had a Sweet. very a very sleepless night, or in the middle of one right now. <laughs> poor, poor guy. <laughs> anyway, uh, Rockville, Maryland, Woodmont Country Club. Chris the Birdie Maker Baker made that one, and Taylor uh, Dylan Wu and Taylor Pendrith. Um, a very talented um, corn fairy guy, Cameron Young, seems to be on a lot of top of leaderboards recently. He made it from Purchase, New York. As we said, Columbus, Ohio, they haven't even completed. Um, at the moment, looking at the leaderboard, Vegas wouldn't make it, Paddy Harrington wouldn't make it, Ricky Fowler wouldn't make it, Nick Taylor and Doug Gim wouldn't make it. Um, but yeah, there's a, the, the whole host of PGA Tour players at those particular qualifiers around Columbus, Ohio, because clearly they were at the Memorial. Springfield, Ohio, Bo Hogue made it, Troy Merritt's made it, Dylan Mayer, Robbie Shelton, Brian Stewart, and Sahith Tigala, they all made the US Open. And then there was a qualifier in South Carolina just down the road um, on Hilton Head Island. It wasn't the Harbour Town Golf Club, by the way. It was Long Cove Club. But they put this on for players that had already travelled down to play the Palmetto. At that qualifier, Akshay Batia, that very talented uh, youngster, he's made it. John Huh, Sam Ryder, and J.J. Spawn. They've made the US Open field. But for the guys in Ohio, many of whom... Didn't you say some have still got 12, 13, 14 holes to play? Yeah, yeah. They've got another day of waiting before they can go anywhere near South Carolina if they want to be playing the Palmetto Championship at Congaree Golf Club. I think there's still going to be a load of late WDs. You can see it coming a mile off. You really can. Hmm. That was actually one of the things that I had in my mind when I was pulling together some tips this week for for the, this tournament. I wanted players at least I knew would st- be starting on Thursday. Because, you know, I was keen on Brandon Grace, but back of my mind, all especially when he started quickly down in Florida, I'm thinking, mm. Brandon Grace, as soon as he, if he can get this qualified, there's no way he's going to be playing Conger. It was an odd one, wasn't it? It was an odd one, because he was in the market, he was still playing, and then um, he started to disappear from the bookies list. So whether he'd given some kind of message while he was actually out on the course saying, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not playing, just... just Pull me off the list. Was well, you said to me he's disappeared off the Bet Three Six Five market. Yeah, I, I I then went on Twitter and went to the Oracle Rob Bolton, and within about five minutes, Rob sends out the tweet. Oh, Brandon Grace has withdrawn. 
So while, yeah, while he was still in in action and the, uh, the yeah the still line. playing in Flo- at um, Bears Club, yeah. he did it to well, save you, Steve. Save you tipping him up on looking <laughs> like a fool. Yeah. Well, yeah, potentially, but I don't think that's really the case. But <laughs> well, it's a little, we should it, just say we just should say before we immerse ourselves in the Palmetto Championship, there is European Tour action this week, but it is an absolute. Disaster show, the Scandinavian mixed, hmm. and fair play to Bet three six five. They have put a market up. Sam Horsfield fourteen to one favourite, and then I'm scanning. I take it that Maya Stark is a female because yeah. she's at twenty five to one. Yeah, this is this is the point with the the event is it's it's a mixed event so the, the men and women playing um, the same course at the same time men off the men's tees women off the women's tees um, and uh, they've attempted to create a single market for the event which um, as you say it's only just now Tuesday morning over here in the UK that we're seeing any kind of markets and um, yeah as of right now not a penny's been matched on Betfair for the event which tells you um, exactly where it is so it I don't know. You've got to applaud the ambition to try new stuff. Um, from a betting perspective, it kind of throws it all completely into disarray. I mean, from from my perspective, I, I will take a, a brief look later, and if there's something that I think is worth backing, then I'll put something up. Um, but I'm not going to just uh, back players for the sake of trying to push a preview out and some tips so um, we'll see we'll, we'll see how it looks when the things settle down but we, we may only get one market I mean that, that in, in, unless a load of bookies then go and copy bet 365 which is uh, which is commonplace then um, I'm not sure how many we'll actually see but uh, yeah it's a shame um, it may, may well be that we're better served um, focusing on the US Open next week I'm not even going to ask you about exemptions and all that well, okay. Interesting concept. You've got to say one thing about the European Tour. They do try different things, and that's to be mm. applauded. But, yeah, from a betting perspective, it's a, it's a total disaster. Right. Set in the lowlands of South Carolina, Congaree Golf Club is no ordinary golf club. Established in 2018 and designed by Tom Fazio, the course is set on more than 2,000 acres of undeveloped forest and lakes, which was once a rice plantation. It's amazing where I get this stuff from. The architecture has touches of the famous Australian sandbell. With the course, hopefully, and I put in brackets, you never know with the PGA Tour, close brackets, <laughs> playing fast and firm as intended. This course is certainly different to your standard tour stop-off, with masses of sandy waste areas and little rough, if any. So players are either on the fairway or in sand or water with elevated greens featuring shaved runoffs. And when I say shaved runoffs, I mean severe shaved runoffs. It's a, it's a fascinating golf course. The history of this place is pretty mad, really. Um, twen, um, 2017, I think, um, it was the guy, I'm pretty sure it's the one of the guys um, used to run the, the Houston Astros or one of the Houston professional sports teams. Um, you know, serious millionaire. And that they basically built this private club, Congaree. It's in Ridgeland, South Carolina. So it's about... 
uh, what was about forty-five minute drive inland from um, um, from um, Harbour Town, from Hilton Head Island in South Carolina. And um, there's stories that if you're driving past the golf course, you don't even notice it. There's there's literally a, like a tiny gateway in. It's like someone's private property, and most most golfers don't even know it exists. You just keep going and miss the turning. It's just a it's just a really old fashioned kind of club, very secretive. There's also um, like stories out there of um, like JP McManus play you know, guys that have been over at the Masters like this year and and previous years that have literally got hopped in their private jets or helicopters to go and play around around here in Masters Week because they were so intrigued by what they were going to find. And there aren't there aren't many negative stories about this golf course. Apparently it's an absolute beaut or a brute, depending what way you look at it. I mean the raw statistics, seven thousand six hundred and fifty five yards, and it's a par seventy one. Wow. Yep, no altitude, so it's going to be, uh, it's going to play long, isn't it? Ah, but with the t- with the temperatures and if the uh, they don't pull in all the fire trucks from the entire state to hose the course, you know the ball should run out a bit and and mm. you know negate that raw distance a little bit. I rem- I remember a couple of weeks ago TPC Craig Ranch. We we were recording the podcast and looking into it, and the alarm bells were ringing straight away when all of the research suggested it was a par seventy one. And over the weekend, when the PGA Tour scorecard came up, they were going to play it as a par seventy two. And you're just thinking, mm-mm. and when you look at the scorecard, the most difficult, longest par fours all be- all of a sudden become the easiest par five. And what did they shoot around there in the end? KH Lee, was it 22 under par or something he won it? Something ridiculous. I'm just quickly checking. 25, was it? It was, it was low. Oh, yeah, he won at 25. Sam Burns, 22 under. Birdies and Eagles, the currency on the PGA Tour. Oh, yeah, we've got to get birdies and eagles. <laughs> they do. Bogies don't exist on the PGA Tour. Right. So the first thing that gives me a little bit of faith here is that the, they, the PGA Tour haven't as per the scorecard, mucked around with the actual format of this golf course. So it's 7655 par 71. Barry's right. This week all hinges on a couple of things. If you read anything about this place, they will tell you that the whole course, the whole Fazio design, the whole ethos of the golf club is that this golf course has to play extremely firm and extremely fast. I mean, there's stories of people struggling to get their tea uh, tea pegs in, you know, in the because the the ground is so solid here. Now, I'm not suggesting that's going to happen, but the members, that's just the way they want it. Um, I don't think they have members as such, isn't it? Ambassadors. Yeah, I just read up on that. Yeah, there's only two yeah. members, the two founders, and then everyone else is an ambassador. So. That's it. Uh, I know Mark, Mark O'Meara plays a lot around here, apparently, and he absolutely loves the place. Um, and, you know, there's a, a lot of wealthy individuals play here as ambassadors, and they, they do a lot of good charity work for South Carolina and the like. So it's all good. You look at the golf course, though. Yeah, some of these, if it's going to play long, uh, if it's going to play firm and fast, it, it, it will. 
it kind of even itself out. But lengthwise, the longest par fours measure 475, 490, 510, 520, and 540 yards. Now that, to me, it, that kind of reads like you would get a US Open kind of length like that. <laughs> yeah, it does. The third, the third is drivable 360, and the 15th looks kind of drivable 360, although it's a kind of zigzag. It, there's definitely risk and reward in this golf course. The path fives, the front side has two of them. The second is at 595 yards, and the fourth is 645. And I just, um, at the media day, Lucas Glover, who's another ambassador, plays here a fair chunk. And he's the guy that's been kind of trying to round up a few decent names for this tournament, or one of them. Um, apparently, he was the guy that um, has got Dustin Johnson on board this week because they both live in Jupiter, blah, 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 both from South Carolina. He said that he's not quite sure if it's going to suit a bomber, because there are a lot of force carries here, or whether it's going to suit someone that is um, military straight off the tee and finding tons and tons of fairways. Because he said, effectively, this is a shot maker's golf course. And there's so many aspects to this place. There's no rough, effectively. And that's why they say it's very sand belt like because if you miss fairways, you're in these deep sand trenches. I think this course has got various elements to it. If you're looking for a comp course, and it's a pretty irrelevant kind of fact here, but if you're looking for a comp course, the obvious one would be Pinehurst Number Two, where they played the 2014 US Open, because this golf course does look pretty similar to that. The other thing that's very similar to it, uh, there's two aspects to that tree lined Carolina feel to it, of course, but also the greens are elevated. And as we remember with Martin Keimer, when he missed greens, he putted. The Texas wedge is definitely in play this week, which is what we saw Stuart Sink do a few weeks ago at the RBC Heritage. If you remember, he was putting everything from off the green. That kind of play is very much in play this week. So there's that aspect, Pinus number two. There's the aspect of these huge sand hazards that basically are on every hole, every par four, every par five. They surround greens. There's water in play on 10 holes. And it's a very much another, you know, another comp course, the look and the feel to it would be Kira Island because most of those holes, of course, have these huge, um, these huge kind of, they're not, they're not even sand, they're like sand traps, aren't they? Sand hazards that would go the whole length of the hole. Well, that's again in play this week. You can touch your club down as well in these sand hazards, sand blasts or whatever they're called. That's So you've got that Keir Island feel there. That was a hell of, hellishly long goal, of course, although that was past Barlam and never really played that quickly because it was on those Paspalum greens and that Paspalum fairways. So if they play this as intended and they haven't got half of the South Carolina fire brigade on site constantly hosing this golf course, which they did, if you remember, Barry, and you, you don't forget these things, what they did at Trinity Forest for the two renewals of the Byron Nelson they held there. They ruined it. That golf course was exactly the same as this. It was designed to play. Coor and Crenshaw wanted that place to play ridiculously firm and fast. That was the defence of the golf course, yeah? And what did the PGA Tour do? 
they hosed the golf course to within like it was almost soggy on the players' shoes. I'd have thought when they were walking out to play <laughs> out there in Wellingtons. <laughs> Pretty much. You know, do we go out in our golfing gear or do we go out in our scuba gear? And they just ruined it, didn't they? I mean, it's 26 under par or something like that. One that Aaron Wise one year. It never had a chance, did it? I mean, I know there was rain and not not the best of weather coming up to both stagings of it, but um, it, it can't have just been that that made the golf course play soft. And they're just terrified. They seem to be terrified of players not showing up to events because it's not um, a birdie fest. But there's, you know, there's different... <laughs> it's so... It's becoming such a homogenized thing week on week to look at there's no you know and this i think and you know if you compare it to the pga a couple of weeks ago it was an absolute treat everybody loved it you know or it's at least that's the sound bites we were getting um from and from a viewer's perspective i thought it, you know everybody i know including friends who don't watch golf on a regular basis thought it was phenomenal yes mickelson helped the story but you know it just there was just so much more variety to 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 what's asked of the golfers and you're not just target shooting so i please please god they don't um, make a mess of this and maybe the fact that this is going to be a one-off means that they yeah. they won't be tempted into doing that and they don't need to have it um solved yeah so it's worth noting isn't it this is the rbc canadian open replacement yeah. and it is a one-off event that's my hope they basically let Cone agree, get on with it, run it. Yeah. And when you say about ruining the field, I mean, they can't really ruin this field. It can't, it can't get much worse. And if yeah. there's not going to be a second <laughs> renewal, they're not going to scare anyone off, really. This is true, this is true. Yeah. So, I'm, so I, I'm with you. Hopefully this golf course plays as intended because if it does, I think we're in for a treat this week. I really do. Um, Just one I point don't is think... that the, to, to the way they're setting up the course as well. Eamon Lynch um, his, he had an article about the golf course and said that there's you know some rumblings that they they're pitching to try get the president's cup in the future. So yeah. okay, no, 2025. 2025. So sorry, yeah. so this could be a sort of a dress rehearsal for that. And they're not. I mean, with, with Royal Melbourne um, having hosted the president's cup and, and played firm and fast, they they don't seem um, against that uh, style of golf for it. So you know, fingers crossed, those little things will 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 all um, push it towards being. Yeah, playing the way it should do. So, I think Royal Melbourne is a is a route in here. I think. Mm. I mean, you, you haven't got many Presidents Cup players playing this week, but you have got a couple. Um, one that was in my mind for this on Bermuda Grass Greens would be, and I haven't tipped him up because he's so well. He's he's just not seemingly playing that great, um, and. I don't. I just can't get on board with the price. Is Sun Jae in? Because Sun Jae in, he scored three and a half points at Ryan Royal Melbourne in that um, President's Cup. So clearly got on well with those firm, difficult golf course. I think he could be a factor this week. And the other one that played relatively well at that uh, actual event was CT Pan. And as we've seen with Pan, he won at Sedgefield. Oh no, he won at um, Harbour Town, didn't he? And he came very, very close to winning the Wyndham one year when Schnedeker won. So I think you know Pan and Pan and Sanjayim make a level of sense. Um, if you're also looking at Australian form with this sandbelt aspect, 
I think a lot of people will like Harold Varner the third this week. Varner was runner-up, wasn't he, behind Sink at the RBC Heritage a while a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Um, we we keep saying on this podcast, and we've discussed it for years. When is Varner actually going to win a PGA Tour event? Well, I think this one could be quite a good fit for him. He's certainly got the right statistics with current form to be in the mix. Now I've gone for none of those, but um, there's your bat, there's, folks. There's, <laughs> there are your bats. Yeah. Um, I'm basically listing people that people should be getting on. Um, I think Duffner could go well this week. Um, I know that there's there, there was quite a few at bigger prices that I like the look of. Satoshi Kodaira is playing some really nice stuff at the moment. But the trouble with Kodaira is he's like literally 275 off the tee. And I know this place is going to play firm and fast. Well, we don't. But if it did, that kind of helps the shorter hitters to a certain extent. The thing that got me is I kept reading Shop Makers Golf Course and there's definitely an aspect here. If they allow this golf course to play as it should, where guys with a Lynx background and guys with, with a background of being able to play on firm, fast setups and can play the ball along the ground, that Lynx style have really got a decent shot this week. You know, you look at Harrington in the field. You know, th- this could sue him. Um, there's there's quite a few lower down before you get into the real dross of names that you could you take. I mean, your old your old boy Ted Potter Junior. Might, might like a bit of this, Paul. Yeah, again, you kind of look at the raw statistics and. Uh, oh, it would suggest you've got to be a bomber. You know, well, I've got to be a bomber I, to win here. Yeah, but I, I, I'm not so just, I'm not so sure to I'm not so sure to get in contention. I think it could sue all sorts, really. Yeah, I, it, it's just a little off-putting, isn't it? When you look at the likes of Kadaira, looks at Kadaira, um, Potter Jr., as you say, but if these guys are, you know, they're struggling to get 280 off the tee and um, it's it's going to be a bit of a slog around there this week, isn't it? Um, I looked at uh, Duffner as well. I think th- there's been some flashes of form with, uh, with with Duffner. He's still playing this week, though, isn't he? He's still he's still in action. Oh, he's in Ohio right now. Yeah, in, uh, in, in qualifying. So He's probably just getting up. <laughs> yeah, for some of these guys, as you said earlier on, it's going to be a, you know it's going to be a, a hell of a week to be you know playing um, you know, curtailed rounds on Monday, Tuesday, and then to to whiz over to to play this um, for the start on Thursday on a course that's going to be new to most of them as well. That's uh, you know it's not been around for long, as you said a few seconds ago, and uh, it, there's been no history here either. So yeah, it's, it's a little off putting with a few players, which. Um, yeah, we'll see how it transpires. But so, yeah, push comes to shove. There's a few that you can just kind of tentatively ignore, I guess. DJ heads the market. South Carolina boy, 8-1. Him and Kurt Kepka, you know, if they really, if they really want to turn up and win this week and they have the game, personally, I can't, I couldn't back either of them. Although, I'll throw this in here. High-class winners often win this event the week before the US Open. If I go back to 2008, 2010, 12-1 uh, in 2010, 20-1 in 2012, 33-1 in 2016, 28-1 in 2017, joint favourites 7-1 in 2018, that was Dustin Johnson at Southwind, and 2019 the RBC Canadian Open was won 10-1 Rory McIlroy. 
before he hopped on his private jet and went to the US Open. The winners there were Leonard, Westwood, Daniel Berger twice, Dustin Johnson twice and Rory McIlroy. All elite players, all within the world's top 50 when they won the week before the US Open. If you like, if you check the last 12 renewals, I know our American guys love that, renewals, 60%, it's 58% of the tournaments the week before the US Open have been won by someone in the world's top 50. So there's a potential angle. The, the fact of the matter is... DJ just hasn't been playing well. Whether he can switch that on today, this week, and win. I know when he when he won the two tournaments the week before the US Open, in both instances, he'd had a top 10 on his previous outing. I think the previous outing had been the Memorial. So actually, I know this field is terrible, but 8-1 to one just isn't the kind of price point I like. Brooks Kepka, do you genuinely think Brooks is getting off his private jet this week going, I'm going to really tear up this Palmetto Championship. I'm going to rip it to shreds. No, he'll be planning on how to flame Bryson on social media before the US Open one more time. I've, I, this is one of my biggest targets of the week, of the year. I'm going to wipe the floor with this Palmetto Championship field. It's the same as always with Brooks, though, when he's, you know, the, the week before a major, he just wants to tune up the game, sear the shots all there. Hit some greens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you can't. You like I don't know. He could accidentally win. He would not be planning to win, but if he finds himself up there, yeah, then he's like, okay, fair enough. Let's just do it. But yeah, I, you can't um, can't see it as a mental target. I think it was twenty nineteen. He he. I think he finished third or fourth at the Byron Nelson on that water Trinity Forest setup the week before he won at Shinnecock. But that's more, like you say, it's more accidental than anything. You've got Hatton at 14 to 1. Well, I like Tyrrell Hatton, but 14 to 1 isn't really turning me on. Matt Fitzpatrick, 40. Oh, God. 12 to 1 with Unibet. Matt Fitzpatrick, 12 to 1. These guys, the, the price is coming. Like Matt Fitzpatrick, it's just like, oh, my God. It's just, how can you be backing Matt Fitzpatrick at 12 to 1 to win a maiden PGA Tour victory? I just I can't get my head around it really. Um, Sung Jm at twenties. Uh, we've we've discussed him. Then you got Fleetwood twenty fives. Nice price. Horribly out of form. And Harris English at twenty eight. I've I've touched none of them. The, my first point of call was Ian Poulter, the postman. Shot maker tick. In great nick at the moment. Well, he we just finished third at Colonial tick. Form on. Link style courses. Well, we could we could list a whole host of those, but he's finished second and third in Open Championships. Tick. What's he done out on the sand belt? Well, actually, he won the Australian Masters, and he finished runner up the year after when defending. So there's a there's a huge tick on two different sand belt tracks around Melbourne. And you just, I always. It was funny with Poulter. I never joined the dots with him. He finished third at Colonial. That got him into the world's top 60 again and got him his US Open invite. And that's so Poulter-esque. He targets. He knows how to play the game because he's so experienced. He knows what he needs to do at certain points. And you just look at his record. I've counted up 17 top 10 finishes 
in in his outings prior to majors over his career. And there's wins in there. There's a win in 2003. The most famous win, of course, was the week before the Masters in 2018 when he won in Houston to get into the Masters. I just think with someone like Poulter coming to an event like this, which he's clearly opted into, yeah, this is an event that's been forced on him. He must have heard he might have even played this. He might have even hopped on a jet one day and come down here and played this golf course and thought, do you know what? I like a bit of this. This is all, this is all me making stuff up in my own mind. But he's here for a reason. It's because he wants to play this week. US Open, Ian Poulter, that is not his bag. I expect he'll be one of those vocal ones next week when he gets to Torrey Pines. Oh, the rough's terrible and all this. Ian Poulter and the, and the US Open don't fit. You, Ian Poulter and the US Open at Torrey Pines certainly doesn't really fit. But that's, I think, a huge positive for this week. I think he'll be thinking to himself, do you know what? I might actually be able to nick a win this week and vaunt myself back into the world's top 50. And if Poulter was to get a win this week and get back in that top 50 or even finish second or whatever the story is, the postman, Ryder Cup year, Paddy Harrington will want him on the team if he's showing anything. And when he's fought his way back into the world's top 50, has been competing at a high, high level, third at Colonial if he does well this week, I think that's kind of, I think he'll get in anyway, but he'll want to get into the Ryder Cup team playing some good golf. I think this is a massive opportunity this week for Poulter. So I'm on. He was my first, first guy I selected. And I'm seeing Skybet a 25 to 1 on Ian Poulter. So that's John Rhodes saying, don't want to take any money on Ian Poulter this week. And you've got William Hill at 40 to 1 right now on Ian Poulter. That's a huge difference in odds. Yeah, it's been been showing some good stuff. I mean, again, if you look at the the raw length of the course, then you could kind of get a bit put off with players like Poulter. But if you go back through his um, history, again, looking at places like um, like the Earth Course in Dubai, which is a comparable kind of length to this, um, he's got a great record around there. He's come close to winning a couple of times around there. So um, when the conditions are right, conditions are firm, um, he he can. He can contend on this kind of course, I think, and uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I think he's got a good chance, Steve. I, th- I think he's a, a solid pick there this week. I must say, I'm not a Poulter fan. I very, very rarely um, back him, but I just thought this linksy kind of feel, being able to, you know, Texas wedge chips around the green, tight, just feel it feels linksy. It feels it feels coastal. I think that's the kind of course that Poulter will come alive on, and he's putting out of his skin at the moment, putting beautifully. So, yeah, Poulter, Poulter's in for me. The kind of elite player that might just sneak in and take this at a price. Because you, you look at a lot of those names at the top of the leaderboard, you, you can, you can, there's big questions against most of them in terms of their current form and how they're playing. Poulter seems to be, and that's the other thing with Ian. You look at his record, and you know you followed him for years on the European tour. He can really put consecutive when he hits top form. He can just trot out top five, top four, top three finishes. Always has been that sort. Yeah, so, I, yeah. He, he, I think he, he when he knows he's playing well, I think he likes to capitalize. Capitalize, it. It, yeah. You know, as you said, his target, his immediate target now is world top fifty. 
Um, the longer term target or the kind of medium term target is to automatically qualify for the Ryder Cup because um, whilst he in all likelihood get a pick anyway, as you say, unless he loses an arm between now and September, October, is you know he, for his own pride he'll want to uh, he'll want to get there by rights and to mm. do that he needs to be he needs to be playing in the best events. So so yeah, it's, we'll, we'll see how he goes, but um, it, it, it does set up as a good opportunity from this thing. Um, I've got pole to current top form, strokes gained total in the top eight in this field, tied with Lucas Glover. Oh, your man Seamus Powers in that top eight as well. He sits at seventh in that ranking. So, so yeah, Poulter's there for me. There, I mean, there you go, Steve. I mean, you're just you're picking the wrong guy. Poulter's forty <laughs> to one. He's eighth in the rankings. Power is a hundred to one. And he's seventh in the rankings. I mean, what are you even doing? Are you on Seamus this one? Absolutely. The guy's playing really good golf. You know, like it's just it's an auto bet for me. Just because of Seamus, but a hundred to one, the way he's playing. Thanks very much. I thought he, I, I honestly expected him to be shorter in this field. Really? Yeah, I did because it's the way he's playing. So dead happy. Back to my first round leader, back to my right. Let's go. If you assume the top two aren't gonna win. You know, if you take the top two out of the equation and you ran this event without those two players there, then Seamus Power would not be hundred to one. No chance. So if if your assertion this week as a punter is well, Brooks isn't going to win, DJ isn't going to win, mm-hmm. and treat it as such, then yeah, no, I, I I can see that these players that you're looking at and thinking, well, you know, hundred to one, that's that's a cracking price, um, because yeah, it's, it's probably a, a sixty-six kind yeah. of price point really. That's where I thought he would be, and I was pleasantly surprised to see all the bookies had him out at 100, so I thought, oh, that's fine. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah. I had a good look at Alex Noren, who's playing some great stuff. Um, I might be wrong, Paul. You're the European Tour expert. I haven't ben, seen I haven't seen him win anything on Bermuda in his career. He's, he's so heavily bent-grassed and biased. And that, that, yeah, if, if he continues to play in the States, he continues to play... More and more events on Bermuda, then um, we, we may well see that kind of tip over the years. But, um, but yeah, I, you know, if, if you look at my um, the analysis I do on the European Tour when he was playing regularly over there, he would have been so heavily biased towards Bengrass over Bermuda um, that uh, yeah, it, it would have all, almost been an automatic line through on Bermuda and an automatic shortlist on on Ben. It was is. As simple as that when he's playing some decent stuff, but you're right, he's, he's got some, you know, there's some flashes of form there. Um, it just doesn't kind of set up for me for him this week, but uh, I can see why people might move down that route for Noren this week. I like Patton Kazaya, but for me, Patton Kazaya is going to win something at like 22 under par, could be the Wyndham Championship, August. Because he te- he tends to be one of these guys that absolutely destroys a resort scoring golf course, and this is his home. I think this is his home state. And when I looked at his record in Carolina, in his home state, he's never had a top ten, which kind of I question him mentally. But there you go. Yeah, I've, I've, I've backed Kazaya this week. I, I I took forty to one at eight places and. Um... Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a bit unsure. I guess we all are, really, as to what the winning score will be. But if it is a little no, bit true. deeper, then um, then I can see him popping up. Um, I, well, he missed the cut last week, didn't he? I, I, I think you can forgive him that because he's got an awful record at Muirfield Village over the years. 
Um, and before that, he was what third at the Byron Nelson, third at um, third at the Charles Schwab Colonial as well, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. He's playing some good stuff. Oh yeah, pa- yeah. Pa- yeah. Well, I, the thing that the thing that grabbed me with Keziah, um was that he was um, fourth and fifth for strokes gained approach on those two third place finishes. Fourth for strokes gained tee to green at Colonial. So the long game's working. Um, we know he can putt. So. Uh, you know, there's a lot that's kind of combining together to suggest that he's very close to the top of his form. One of Bermuda, um, Sony opened back in 2018. His last win was on Bermuda grass. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, in the context of the the field, and again, I'm kind of looking at it as a um, without, you know, ignoring the top two, um, 40 to one of Kazai. I'm quite happy to take that on personally. Yeah, I've got I got him. I have him first round leader, and weighing up whether to. To tag on the the full um, the full whack for the outright, mm. it's playing well. I mean, the thing you can always put a put a line through people um, who don't get on well with Mur- Muirfield Village. Just write it off. It's an anomaly week. Just gone. It's yeah. it, it's quite what a awful record there. Yeah, I mean, it, Muirfield's quite a specialized. It feels to me like kind of a specialized type test. It's a real like execution. Hit your target. Hit your target. Hack out of the rough and you know put well. Like it's. It, it's quite. It seems. It feels kind of uh, one dimensionally to me. Um, I don't particularly love watching it because it's just. Uh, anyway, moving on from that. I don't want to go down and rant. Um, <laughs> yeah, on Kazar. Good for that. Um, Steve, who else you got this week? Well, he's a Palmetto ambassador, and I was reading an interview. I'm trying to think where it was. I think it was back at the RBC Heritage. One of the local journalists said, oh, are you looking forward to playing Palmetto? And he was like, oh, yeah, I practice there all the time. Um, you know, I get a lot of work in there. Um, I'm really looking forward to these PGA Tour boys turning up in my backyard where it's going to be like 35 degrees Celsius and all of these sand flies are going to be eating them, were his words. Um Kevin Kisner. So I kind of Bermuda grass greens. I can't back the tip up with any kind of statistics, but I need to start doing some different things to try and find some winners. So, you know, there there are situations as we've seen in the past with loads of geezers, you know, loads of players recently, Kevin Nars and the sort who just just come in with a complete flash. There was a 60 to 1 hanging on Kevin Kisner when I was writing the tip up yesterday afternoon with Betfred eight places each way, and I was praying I got it. But as soon as uh, William, uh, Skybet came out and he'd been priced at 50 to 1, Betfred lowered their price to 50 to 1. So anyway, I'm on at 50 to 1, Kevin Kisner. He's been apparently for quite a while. Um, this happened in Masters Week. They all hopped in a private jet. Him, Brian Harmon, and um, Victor Hovland early on in Masters Week. One afternoon, they're kind of kicking around. They they came down here on the flight and they played they played eighteen holes around here, around Palmetto. Because uh, Kevin Kisner said in an interview, he said, "Oh yes, uh, Victor Hovland kicked my ass on my home course, just reeling off birdies." So yeah, I'm on K- Kisner. I'll be. Are you on Kisner, or have you have you stepped off the auto bet Kevin Kisner train? No, he's playing. Aaron. He's playing at home. Of course, I've backed him. Yeah. You backed him, yeah. 
I'm not going nuts with the bets this week. I'm kind of, but no, uh, no, Mark, that was it. Yeah. I, I, I was, I, you could have, you could, you, we don't know what the target score is going to be. We don't know how the course is going to play. We've never seen it. You know, reeling off like just list after list of bets doesn't seem the right thing to do. I've gone for three mid prizes. Mm. Kisner was a, just a no brainer. It's, fu- it's, he a, fu- got it's me- a fear of missing out bet, really, as well. Yeah, it's really, sometimes Kisner. Sometimes Kisner just doesn't fire on the weeks that the expectation is quite high for him to really fire. Um, this one feels like it could be one of those, but I'm, I'm kind of, you know, the, the bet is a, a little punch that it'll just be the flip of that and it'll actually just go great because he knows the place quite well. So, yeah, 50 to 1, I'll take I'll take the risk. So I, and you know you read interviews with players. Uh, Jason Day is a great example. He, he he lives at Muirfield, doesn't he? So he, he plays that golf course a lot, but never did any good there. Mm-hmm. And it was strange. The one year he did well at Muirfield Village, and he actually bothered to start, I'll put that one in tongue-in-cheek, was last year when they played that work day open, and they played that golf course that week. It wasn't a typical memorial setup. It was softer. Mm-hmm. The rough wasn't as long. And all, lo and behold, whoa, Jason Day turned up with a top five. I don't think you're going to get this this week with Kevin Kisner, hopefully, because I think this golf course plays the same pretty much 52 weeks a year. And as long as the PGA Tour don't get the South Carolina Fire Brigade there and hose <laughs> the whole golf course, I think Kisner's going to be playing this golf course like any other day of the week. This is just how it plays. And with his knowledge of it and the way that he can chip, don't forget, there aren't many in this field that have finished runner-up in an Open Championship. Well, he's one of them. He's got that kind of game. That's you know, he's got that brilliant short game. He drove the ball really well at Colonial. I think he was fourth for strokes gained off the tee. So if he's got the driver right, fairly long, straight, he's in, going to be in a lot of fairways. As long as he can get that approach game and know where not to miss, you could see Kisner being a factor. And also, he got me thinking. Oh. Yeah, Victor Hovland was just reeling off, reeling off birdie after birdie around this place. And I know it was in like practice, blah, 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 blah. And I'm sure they'd probably taken about 10 grand out of each other on every hole. But got me thinking, I really need a bomber in here. And it gave me the chart choice of two, really. I could have gone Harold Varner III, who has that Australian form. He's a, he's a PGA Championship winner out in Australia. In the end, I went with Keith Mitchell. Because Keith Mitchell has done well on Fazio golf courses, one being Quail Hollow. And Mitchell, bomber, been driving the ball really well recently. And we just know with Keith Mitchell, comes alive on Bermuda grass. Absolutely comes alive on it. Looks to me as if he's missed out on the US Open by a shot. So that'll either demotivate him or actually kind of, well, that's done now. I'll turn up this week at a kind of home event. He's a, one of the Sea Island Mafia. I'm pretty certain he must be one of these 20 or so players that will have played around here, being based so close to the course. I just think Mitchell, if he hits the ball well off the tee, he's got the power to unlock a lot of... I mean, if you're if you're pushing Rory McIlroy close around Quail Hollow, you've got that big power high GIR game. 
Um, he's, he's spotty, Mitchell. I know he missed the cut last time out, but again, that was on a golf course that didn't suit Colonial. I think this one's going to suit him far more. So I'm in on Mitchell. I, I had a kind of toss-up between Kazire and Mitchell. So Paul f- fell on Kazire, I fell on Mitchell. So those are my three. I've got Poulter. I've got Mitchell at 45 to 1, I think Mitchell was. Yeah, eight places with Betfred. And I've also got Kisner at 50 to 1, eight places with Ladbrokes. Those are the three I went for. If I can get an each-way place and get out of jail this week with a place, I'll be more than happy. Because it's one of those. Yeah, always tough, aren't they? When it's when it's a new course and a new... Particularly, you know, it's just, just a one-off, as you said, isn't it? It's... Um... You know, they're not going to come back here unless uh, unless we see it further down the line, and uh, it's just a free hit for some of these guys a bit further down there, a bit further down the pecking order. Why yeah, would I, Danny Willett have withdrawn this week? Just out of interest, a late withdrawal as well. Yeah, there's a few. I, I, there's more to come, Steve, isn't there? I'm I'm surprised that we didn't see Brooks or DJ pull out. Um, to be honest, and throw the market into into complete disarray. Well, plenty of time left, I guess. It's still only early on Tuesday morning. Have you got your eye on Brooks for next week, Baron? <clears throat> you kind of have to. Who would you who would you take, Brooks or Bryson, at the same price? Brooks. Yeah. Who would you take, JT or Brooks, at the same price? <laughs> Brooks. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd take I'd take Brooks at half the price of JT at the moment. <laughs> Who would you take, DJ or Brooks at the same price at Tory Pines? I mean, it's yeah, it's Brooks. <laughs> Who would you take, Jordan Spieth or Brooks at the same price at the US Open? Ooh, see, that's a good one. No, don't even. I, I think it has to be Brooks at the moment. So Spieth just um, a little bit, little wobbly the last uh, the last outing. Yeah. Not quite as sharp as he has been. Yeah, at the business end, it's just not quite there. Mm. US Open, length, 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 power. Yeah. Get that ball as far down that fairway as you can, and it doesn't smack me as speed. Patrick Reed's, not, Patrick Reed's not that long, and you're, you've got him fancied. Yes. It's long enough. I think Speed and Reed are a similar kind of player, I'll give you that. They're long enough. Yes, they're long enough, yeah. I just think, yeah. I just I think Reed's a bit more nuggety. Bear in mind we're talking about a guy that's won a US Open in Jordan Spieth, and I'm doubting him. But would you take Spieth at 14s or Reed at 35s or 40s? I think I know what your answer is going to be. Mm. Yeah. Anyone else you guys are thinking of this week, and then we'll 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 close the show. Uh, yeah, I've got one one longer price personally. Um, I've backed Sung Kang. Um, at 125, you can get him a little bit longer if you're willing to take five places. But I backed him 125 to one with eight each way. It looks like he's likely qualified from Ohio. He's finished. He's sitting on seven under, so um, he should be on his way back now, which is um, which is positive for him compared to some of his peers who's still playing um, or going to be playing this morning. Um, a little bit of form coming in. He's made three cuts in the trot. Um, 67-69 to open at the Byron Nelson. 65-66 was what really caught the eye. Rounds two and three at the Colonial. Shocker on the Sunday, but um, clearly, you know, there's some, some good flashes of form um, within that. 32nd last week was actually his best effort 
on that track. So um, improving, I guess. Um, second Riviera, which is a Fazio redesign. And what got me was the win at the 2019 Byron Nelson, which was at Trinity Forest on Champion Bermuda back then. Long Faux links, yeah. Yeah, long yeah, past 71. Yeah. Similar kind of, you know, comparable kind of track in that respect. And... Uh, on um, Champion Bermuda as well. He's always overpriced, Sun Kang. Um, you, you know, if you can pick him up, if you fancy he's going to go well, then you're always going to get a decent enough price on him. And I thought in this field, 125s with those extended places was worth taking on. Um, so yeah, Kang for me. Um, I looked at Luke List, a couple of missed cuts on the trot, but um, he's got the Fazio form, he's got Bermuda form, can play in firm conditions as well. So if you can look past those missed cuts over the last couple of weeks then Luke List could go well I think um, and Matt Every first round leader I've won first round leader to beat Matt Every <laughs> um, Rafa Cabrera Bayo has yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's been he's got a couple of hot starts recently and he's just yes. qualified there um, yesterday in um, Brookside in the lakes in the the big qualifier for 16 spots I mean he's um He's got an age under posted, even though that tournament's not finished. Um, there's, so he's in. He's yeah. not going to slip out. So he's already on the jet, you know, uh, I'd say, or, yeah. or playing across to play. So so he's going to have a day advantage, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he does like a quick start as well, Rafa. I can see that. I think I, I, I backed him last week from, from memory. It's yeah, I, 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 can't, I, I, can't t- I can't touch him outright, but... Uh, no, yeah. no, a few flashes of form. I can see that. I can see the logic in that, Barry. If you want to take Sun Kang, he's a hundred and fifty to one with Unibet. Apparently, six places each way. Would you? Would is Kang a first round leader sort or not? No, I, know, I, I, I think I'd prefer him. No, well, he's, he's not going to win this week because Matt Matt Ever is going to win. But um, mm. but yeah, no, <laughs> I'd, I'd prefer him longer for the four for the four days. Yeah, I think he could sneak an each way place out of there. No, I do. I Kang was Kang was one that I had a really close look at if I was going to go down that route. Kang, I had a look at um, Kadira. That Kramer Hickok's playing some nice stuff as well. Kramer Hickok, one hundred and fifty to one. Mm. So yeah, but yeah, it's us. Are we done? That's it. I think so. Yeah. When are we going to do our um, US Open Research podcast? I'll just throw that one out there live on air. Are we going to Thursday, do it on Wednesday? Thursday, Friday, maybe. Okay. It'll be out this week. Yes. Later this week, listeners, you I think will have give, our US Open Research show. Given given that we won't find the final field out until tonight, I think we probably need to, um, to digest it and then, uh, then have, some, mm. have some thoughts later in the week. I'll need to backfill the, a lot of these Europeans for the uh, statistics. Dave Coupland and sorts. Yes, we've got, got some uh, strokes gained data coming as well. Tory Pine strokes gained, um, Reese Jones strokes gained data coming as well. Oh, so wow. uh, pull all that together and uh, and the, the recent majors stats stuff like that will all be appearing on the site over the next uh, next few days. It's all good. It's all good. I hope you enjoy your golf betting this week, chaps. Yeah, best of luck. Yep, you guys too, and good luck to all the listeners. Yep, good luck to all the listeners. We will be back later this week with the US Open Research Podcast, and let's close by saying, let's have your five-star reviews, please, for next week's US Open tips. 
podcast. I thank you. We'll see you again soon. Goodbye. If you like betting on golf, but everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved with all the stats and the tips and so much more. Cause it's the golf betting system. The golf betting system is the golf.